Would you please open your Bibles now to Acts chapter 5? Our series takes us now to the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. We are going to read verse 1 to 11, and in honor of God's word, may I request everyone to please stand. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, what is, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed his last. When the young man came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. May God bless the reading from His Word. Please take your seats. What a bizarre scripture reading this morning. <laughs> It's a bizarre way for God to grow His church. We are going to study this text. We don't want this, but it's part of the Bible. It has its purpose in the Bible. A couple died instantly because they have lied to the Holy Spirit. As it turned out, brethren, based on the text, this kind of of divine action of God was even a means for the church to grow. <laughs> and that is what we are about to learn. So as we continue with our series in the book of Acts, we come to this fifth chapter, and I want us to learn this principle this morning. Let's read this together. The fear of God will help us be faithful to God. The fear of God will help us to be faithful to God. In this chapter, I want us to learn that the Holy Spirit, yes, He is comforter, He is our advocate, 
He is our best friend. He guides us. He teaches us. He is all that we need as a person. But we have to understand that He is still God. <laughs> a lot of times, we people, we treat God like a friend. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we treat Him as a friend, as, a, as our Lord, as a Father. But sometimes, a lot of us Christians forget that while God is personal, He is loving, He is caring, He is gracious, you know, He's merciful, but we forgot that He is still God. Angels tremble before Him. Demons are afraid of Him. And yet, a lot of us Christians treat God with contempt. And this is one example, all right? In the early life of the church, we find here the very first sinful act inside the church. In fact, in this chapter, you find the church mentioned for the first time in the book of Acts. Before, they were simply called believers or disciples. Now, look, you know, the evangelist, look, the writer of the book of Acts gives us the idea of what it means to be a church. So the fear of God will help us be faithful in God. So to have a sense of how this happened, let's go back to the story of the church, all right? So in Acts chapter 2, this is the, the birth of the church. Remember Jesus promised, you know, in the coming days, the promised Holy Spirit, promised by the Father, He will come, all right? And His coming brought the birth of the church. So that's the beginning of the church when the Holy Spirit came. And you know, Peter preached a sermon. 3,000 were added. 3,000 believe, and 3,000 were baptized. Can you imagine 3,000? Right? The greatest number of baptism I made before was just 100. <laughs> but this is 3,000. Right? They all believe. And in the next chapter, you find in chapter 3 that, you know, Peter and John healed a, a lame man, a beggar. And this man was praising God, jumping around. And people wondered what happened to this man. And then they, they crowded over this man. And then Peter preached another sermon. And the number of disciples grew to 5,000. 5,000 men excluding women and children. And so this attracted the attention of the religious leaders at the time. Remember, the very religious leaders that, that brought Christ to the cross. It's, it's again, they thought they have eliminated Christ, but they were wrong. Because you know what happened? They killed one man, and now this man lived, and now this man multiplied. <laughs> now you have so many Christs. And that's why they were called Christians. Because the word Christians literally means little Christ. So they killed one man. This man rose from the grave. And guess what? This resurrected man who is God is bringing so many Christians. And it's literally turning their world upside down. So this is a threat to their old Jewish tradition to their religion, a religion that is 
No more reality of God, but only rituals and rituals and rituals. The same thing with our religion here in the Philippines. You have good teaching, and yet full of so many non-biblical practices. And that's the same thing happening here. Jesus is bringing about the real religion, a relationship with Him. And so, the religious leaders made threats. You have to stop this. This should be your last time. All right? They're making threats. If you continue preaching about Jesus, you know what happened to your founder? That may happen to you. Did it stop the church? No. They prayed. And that's what we studied last Sunday, right? They were praying and the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice this, and after they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Take note, all, all of them were filled and spoke the Word of God boldly. So instead of, of silencing them, what happened? The Holy Spirit made them now so loud. That's what it means to be a church. So bold and so loud about Christ. Christ and Christ alone. Now notice verse 32. Now the full number of those who believe. Now this is very important. Because how you become a Christian, how you become part of the church is when you believe. This is very important. This is the key. The reason why all these things are happening because this number of people believe in Jesus. And notice what happened. I want, I want you to see two effects. Two natural effects when you truly believe in Jesus. Now, why did I emphasize the word truly? Because a lot of people thought they believe but not truly. Just here. Just like if you ask any Filipino outside, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe. But this is what it means if you truly believe in Jesus. All right? Two effects of believing in Jesus. One, the heart is tightened in its relationship to people. And I'm borrowing John Piper's commentary on this. He said, a person who believes in Jesus, his heart is tightened in its relationship to people. Notice this. Those who believe were of one heart and soul. See? When you believe, you suddenly have this desire to have a relationship with brothers and sisters in faith. Alright? And this is true. Because I experienced this myself, you know? I, did you know that I practically grew up in Bradford? I studied in Bradford School since kindergarten. Alright? But just attending church, attending church. But you know what? When I really accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you know the change, the immediate change? It, I find it, it's not enough just to attend worship. You know, that's when I started to look for a fellowship. So that I joined CYF. <laughs> see? I joined Sunday school. You see? That's one evidence that you're truly born again. Your heart is tightened in relationship to people. And here's the second effect. Notice this. Your heart is loosened in its relationship to properties. Alright? Ninggamay ng amen, no? Alright? 
So, notice, so that's why I like John Piper's wordings here. Notice the effect. Your heart becomes tightened to what? Relationship with people, but it should be loosened in its relationship to properties. Notice what happened. Those who were saved, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his, but they had everything in common. You see? That's one indication that you're born again. Before you were greedy, now you're not. Before you were, you were stingy in your giving, in your sharing with others now, there is liberality. There is freedom. Before there is fear. If I give more, basic, I won't have enough for this week. See? There's fear. But listen, when you are born again, Fear is transformed into freedom. You see? You now give. And what about, what about this week? Well, I am giving it to the Lord and He's the owner of all things. I should not worry about it. That's what's happening here. Alright? So that's the context. This is how we ended chapter 4. Alright? And then, to give substance to this idea that if you're born again, there should be what? There should be freedom in sharing what you have and there is freedom in loving other people. Now Luke gives two examples here, concrete examples, but two opposite examples. One is Barnabas. Right? Remember Barnabas, verse 37. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means sons, son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, take note, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it to the apostles' feet. He's a new convert. <laughs> Probably he's one of those 3,000. Alright? When he got saved, nobody compelled him. Remember, there was no announcement from the apostles. The apostles were not telling, alright, if you're, if you're now born again, if you give your properties. No, there was no call. I, I want you to understand that. Okay? Real Christians don't give because the pastor is giving a sermon and they're guilty. No. That's not Christianity. If you're forced. That's why I don't like to preach sermons. You know, sometimes deacons say, Pastor, can you please preach a sermon? I don't want to preach a sermon about money and, you know, telling you to give your money because... That is not the church. I don't think Peter preached a sermon, you know? No. Because when you are truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's a natural overflow. See? Because you cannot fake it. Right? So this man sold properties. That's how chapter 4 ended. Alright? Now, notice the second set of examples. That's when you find... Ananias and Sapphira in the next chapter because they are linked together. Okay? Barnabas was a good example of what it means to have the Holy Spirit. And then the opposite, this is when you do something against the Holy Spirit. So now, let's go to the, our main lesson. Four things to watch out in the fear of God. This is important again. This is a bizarre teaching because we're talking here of two believers dying immediately. <laughs> Can you imagine if this happens in our church? 
I don't like it. <laughs> okay? Do we have doctors here? Oh, there are doctors here. All right, four things to watch out in the fear of God, right? Here's number one. Okay, write this down. Be cautious of a superficial devotion. Be cautious of a superficial devotion. What is a superficial devotion? A devotion, you know, you're, you're just pretending, you know? You pretend to be, you know, you go to church, but then it's superficial. You know what's wrong with that? You are simply trying to look religious, but God knows who you are. Be careful, be cautious of that, because sometimes it's easy for us, you know, to be drawn to that kind of Christianity, superficial Christianity. All right, look at the first verse of chapter 5. But <laughs> a man named Ananias, you see? So it's clear that Luke is trying to contrast. He ends chapter 4 with, you know, here's a man by the name of Barnabas. He had a field, he sold it, laid it down to the apostles. No buts, no ifs. And then, but a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. Now, just want you to know something about Ananias. The name Ananias means the Lord is gracious. Nice name. Sapphira, of course, from the jewel sapphire, means beautiful. So this couple is what? They, it means gracious and beautiful. But this couple, as they are described here, they are anything but gracious and beautiful. <laughs> anything but gracious and, and, and beautiful. You know, because what happened is not beautiful. Okay? So here, it's so nice. They sold a piece of property just like Barnabas. Right? But look at verse 2. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, that's the danger here. All right? Now, whether, you know, some people are saying, are, are they really believers? Well, it's assumed that they are believers because they're part of the church. Probably they're part of that of those group who prayed. Remember, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But we don't know exactly. Only God knows. You know, when, when some, somebody of us here, you know, if it's your turn to go to heaven, try to look for Barnabas, I mean, Ananias and Sapphira there. If you don't find them there, then probably they're in hell. Or if you don't find it, them there and they're in heaven, maybe you wake up in hell. So, anaragyud ang option. Right? We do not know. Only God knows. If, but they're part of the church. They're part of the church. They also brought their gifts. And, and the Bible says they kept back. That word, it, means, it literally means to embezzle. To put aside for oneself. To keep back in a secret and dishonest way. Okay? It's a unique word. It's, it's not appearing. It, it's the word that is used in, in the Septuagint, in the story of Achan. Remember Achan? Same thing. So, Ananias and Sapphira is the Achan version in the New Testament. Remember Achan? God commanded the whole, you know, Israelite army 
to destroy everything. Because those things are what? Supposedly for the Lord. Right? Those things, they are filthy. You know? There are connections with, you know, voodoos and all sorts of things. So everything must be destroyed. But then Achan kept some secretly. That's the word. See? In other words, this couple, when they saw Barnabas offer, they say, we can do this. You know, Han, we can do this, Han. You know, let's sell this property. You know, Barnabas, you know, we're on the same church. So, baligyan la. Ang halin kay 50 million man. Oh no. Sayang man eh. Why don't we just give 25 million? See? Number one, they weren't forced. They weren't asked. In other words, it was their own. It was their intention to give. But then when they, when they realized that it was a big money, that's where they changed their mind. And when nobody knows, diba? the apostles, they don't know the amount. Basta we promise to give. Be careful when you promise to give. See? Because the Bible tells us here, listen, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. See? That's Christian giving. You are not forced. Not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember what I said? One of these days, you know, I would want to put a, a camera here, a CCTV here, so that when you give, if you're giving and if you're not smiling, we will return your offering. <laughs> okay? So you have to smile when you give, right? Because God loves a cheerful giver, okay? This couple, they decided to give, but when they realized that the amount was too big, they changed their mind. And so what was the problem, friends? The problem here is superficial devotion. See? They were devoting, you know, we will give, we will give. It was superficial, you see, giving, listen, this is very important. Giving is an act of faith. You are not just giving for the sake of giving. In fact, some studies show that the real maturity of the church is determined by what? How people are giving their money. It's not even the amount. How are they giving it? in full freedom, with joy, with faith, or force. Or, not force, you are giving, but you have a different agenda. Oh, I'm going to give because this investment, it will return back to me 50 times. You see? Wrong motives. Well, the Bible doesn't say that when you give, you want to receive. Of course, the Bible says the floodgates of heaven will be poured out. But that should not be your reason for giving. The reason for giving, because you love the Lord, period. That's how Barnabas, you know, he's a changed man. Before his love was for properties, now it's for the Lord. And here are couple who wanted to do the same. If they can do that, we can do this, hun. Let's, let's offer. The problem, they had only what? A superficial devotion. So, brethren, be cautious of that kind of a spirit. 
Be cautious of that kind of a spirit. So are you pretending to have a devotion to God, but you cannot support it and sustain it in action? See? Be careful. All right, let's go to the second point. Second lesson is this. Be aware of a subtle deception. A subtle deception. Because sometimes, you know, this superficial devotion is actually hiding something inside. Something subtle. And what is that? Deception. All right? Notice what happened here. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. With his wife's knowledge. In other words, both of them knew about this. This was not some kind of a, an honest mistake. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought... No, no, this was not an honest mistake. This was a deception. This was a premeditated sin. And, and notice what, what Peter said. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, that's the very root of the sin. It is lying to the Holy Spirit. See? Be careful. Lying to the Holy Spirit. And this teaches us the doctrine of what? The deity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a force, an extension of God and Jesus. No, He is a person. Remember, in our study, He can be grieved, He can be insulted. And here, he can be lied to. And, and here, Peter gives us the reason. Why? Why were they able to lie to the Spirit? And here, Peter says, because Satan filled your heart. Friends, this tells us that at the very root of lying is Satan. Remember what Jesus said? John 8, 44. This is very important. Because oftentimes, we just, we just think of lying as, you know, it's just a white sin. It's simple sin. No, no big deal. No. For Jesus, it's a big deal. You know why? Because when you lie, you're showing yourself to be a son of the devil. Notice what Jesus said. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not, does not stand in truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. And if you make it a lifestyle of lying, and then, you know, with the idea, anyway, sorry ni Lord after, let me tell you, when you say, Our Father, be careful whose father you're talking about. You may not be referring to God the Father. Because when you say, Our Father, and Satan will say, What, my daughter? What, my son? Be careful. That's what's happening here. These are couple. They're a member of the church. They have this sense of devotion to Jesus. That's why they're also selling their property. Because, you know, they, they love to serve. But what happened here? They allowed Satan to fill their hearts. It brought lying. So brethren, that's something else. Never lie to the Holy Spirit. Never say something to the Holy Spirit that you are not 
willing to support and sustain. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And the problem with other people because, you know, they're afraid of that, some people don't make promises. It's also wrong. <laughs> I don't want to make a promise because I may not. See, it's based on the fact that you are not really determined to make a vow. But as Christians, we should make promises. It's part of us. We have to give our word. And here, this couple wanted to serve the Lord. They wanted to love the Lord, but it was based on a superficial devotion. And now, there is this subtle deception against the Holy Spirit. So not only is it most serious, it is dangerous because here, you're actually not lying to people. You are not lying. It's like Peter was saying, you are not lying to me. You know, who are we? We're just apostles. You are not lying to the, the board, to the elders, to the pastors. No, you are lying to the Holy Spirit. And lying to the Holy Spirit is what? Look at this, verse 4. You have not lied to man, but to God. See? That's why it was a very serious offense. You are lying to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit revealed the seriousness of this subtle deception in Ananias and his wife. God, the Holy Spirit, told Peter that Ananias and Sapphira, whose name supposedly was gracious and beautiful, and are doing an ungracious and ugly thing before God. Third, be sure of a spiritual dissection. Be sure of a spiritual dissection. In other words, when we become like Ananias and Sapphira, you know, we, we have this subtle deception. You know, we, we are trying to withhold something or we are lying to the Holy Spirit or we're pretending to be somebody when we are not in the church. And what is that called according to the Bible? Hypocrisy. Alright? Be sure that the Holy Spirit is doing a spiritual dissection. You know, He is doing a dis spiritual dissection. In other words, there is an examination going on here. And Peter was used by the Holy Spirit to do that. Notice what happened next in the next verse. Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? What is that? Peter is now making a spiritual what? Examination. It's like he's making now a diagnosis, a checkup, dissecting his heart. Why are you doing this? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your own disposal? See? This is a spiritual dissection. Peter is trying to dissect his heart. Peter is not trying to explain. You know what's wrong? So I want you to imagine here what's happening. Peter is like saying, Ananias, was there a pressure? You know, this would have been okay. This would have been allowed if there was a pressure. You know, you were pressured. Maybe the apostles were saying, you know what, we are building a church. You need to give. If that was the case then this would have been allowed. But there was no pressure. 
There was not even a call. You know, it, it was your decision. <laughs> See? There was no pressure from the church. Okay? So, the, the people who gave, like Barnabas and the others, they all gave, not because they were asked to give, no? It's very clear. So far, we haven't seen any verse since chapter 2 that the apostles were calling. It was a natural thing. When the Holy Spirit came, suddenly they were giving things to other people. It was what? An act of freedom. What's happening here? So Peter was saying, it was yours on the first place. We did not ask for it. See? We did not ask for it. And why are you doing this? That's what Peter is saying. Friends, this is so important because here we find that God is now starting to really discipline the church. This is the first disciplinary measure in the church. We have to understand that the church, it's not a human institution. It's a divine institution. Jesus is the head of the church. Right? And we have to tell you because it is, it is a divine institution, we have to understand that the money involved in the church, it's not our money. It's His. It's sacred. Alright? And that is why in the church, we should have the highest form of auditing process. That's why Atilaida has a big job to do. Auditing. There must be auditing here. Every single centavo belongs to God. See? So you have to understand, here in Bradford Church, we practice the highest form you know, of accountability when it comes to money. Because this is God's money. This is sacred. Right? We cannot allow some hocus-pocus going on in the house of God. And this is a lesson. God is now demonstrating to the church. He is now dissecting them, telling them, if this will persist, then Jesus or God, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is giving an example. You want to, to know? that this movement is not a human movement, let me show you how. Right? That's what's happening here. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? See? This is something from the heart. And again, Peter says, you have not lied to man, but to God. You can fool the apostles, you can fool the other disciples, but you can never fool God. The church is God's institution. According to John Piper, he said, Christianity is not a matter of external conformity to religious expectations. It is a matter of internal liberty. It is not a matter of force and law. It's a matter of freedom and love. Being a Christian means being changed from the inside out so that you fall in love with people and fall out of love with things. That's what he said. I love that. I love that commentary about that verse. That's what it means to be a Christian according to Acts. When you become a Christian, you are falling in love with other believers. But you should fall out of love with things. That's why many times, you remember, many times we have seen these phrases. They were all what? Giving up their properties. And again, 
This is not about religious laws, no? So, don't get me wrong, all right? The church, you know, some people say, I don't want to join the church. Kaya kung join the church, ipagive up atong property. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's what he's saying. Real Christianity is all about freedom. The liberality to give out. If you don't want to give, fine. You will not be judged by that. See? When you give, it should be out of love. Out of love for the Lord. Now, four things wrong with Ananias and Sapphira, okay? Because, let's see this, because this is now what's happening in the spiritual dissection. Number one, they look generous. <laughs> they look generous. Because just like, remember, in the previous chapters, all the believers were selling out. And so they were also selling out their property. So they look generous, but only look. <laughs> see? Be careful, Okay? Be careful. Because I know some of us are tempted. Pilag ihatag sa usa. 10,000? Sige. Muhatag ko. 10,500. Be careful of that. Just, you want to look generous to the people. Number two, they love their money. And remember what Paul says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money, it's love for money. We should love people and not money. Use money to love people. Not use people to love money. Number three, they lie to the Holy Spirit. That's obvious there. That's, that's the diagnosis of Peter. And then third, they live in hypocrisy. They live in hypocrisy. They look generous, they love their money, they lie to the Holy Spirit, they live in hypocrisy. See? Be careful of that kind of Christianity, friends. Because if you go back to the Gospels, if, if there's one sin that Jesus hated among the religious leaders at the time, it was their what? Hypocrisy. You see, the, the, the Pharisees, they, they knew all the laws, they knew all the doctrines, but what happened? They were burdening people with all sorts of rituals to pretend that they are spiritual. See? But they were not. Let's go to the fourth and last. Be warned. Be warned of a sanctified destruction. Sanctified destruction. You know? This is like a, you know, an oxymoron. Sanctified and then it is destruction. Why? Because this form of, of, of destruction was something cleansing for the church. That's why the title of our sermon, The Movement is Purge. Because here, God wants people to understand that in my church, in my church, in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, hypocrisy is not a policy. He's, he, wants, he wants his church to be purged. Now, he wants to understand that people, the church of Jesus Christ, it's not secular. So corruption should not be there. Dishonesty should not be there. Because it is the church of our Lord. Notice this. When Ananias heard these words, immediately he fell down and breathed his last. Now, we don't know what happened. Okay, Doctors probably can say, heart attack 
kinsa may di mag-heart attack sa, sa, you know, what Peter was saying? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine in a worship service, okay, in a worship service gathering, you know, Ananias, Ananias was bringing his offering, and then Peter says, Ananias, is that all? Di ba ka mag-heart attack, anak? Ananias, is that all? Yes. So can you imagine it? He died. Right? He fell down and breathed his last. And notice the result. This is the most important thing. And this is where the Bible wants us to learn. Why did God do that thing? Great fear came upon all who heard of it. God was teaching a lesson. Alright? The fear of the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom according to Proverbs. Why is this important today? Why is this relevant today? Because in our generation today, there is no longer fear of God. See? There is an escalation of sin when there is no fear of God. A lot of Christians right now are what? Becoming like the world. We sound like the world. We dress up like the world. Why? There is no more fear of God. What's happening here is that God says, you ought to have fear of me. There is contempt here. See? There is that sense, kanabi tong atong idea nga, si God, simbahan, rabitaw na. Kanaba? See? Now, in the Bisaya, you know, you may not like this word, but this is now an example of what you call a biblical, quote-unquote, gaba. Yeah, that's, that's the term, no? Gigabaan. <laughs> this is, this is, mohon is a biblical example. You know, what is gaba? Gaba is basically the punishment of God. You have done something, and God punished you. See? This is an example of that thing. Great fear came upon all those who heard it. And again, the principle, the fear of God will help us be faithful to God. You know why we have this principle? Because we thought, but nga, you know, those two people died. You might think, ah, <laughs> let's not go to Bradford. People are dying there. <laughs> See? You know, when, when people heard this, you know, in the next verse, and we'll see it later on, the church even increased. This is part of how God grew the church. You know how God would grow the vine? By removing the fruitless vine. See? Purging. You know the purpose of purging. Why do you think our children need to be purged? Purga. Because we want them to be healthy. Why do you think we need to prune our plants? Because we want them to be healthy. Why do you think God is purging His church? Because He wants it to be healthy. Sometimes, brethren, God has to purge us. And when God purges us, all forms of purging, by the way, is painful. It's painful. When God purges us, sometimes purging can come in what? In, in a form of sickness. Crisis in life will come. Worse, death. See? Death is the worst kind of purging. Don't wait for death to come to your family, to your life. See? 
I'm not saying that all death is, is purging, no? Of course. There are good reasons why people need to die because for us Christians, dying goes to heaven. Alright? Now, if this, if this couple, if Ananias and Sapphira were, were really born again, then they, they're now in heaven. No? And let me show that to you later on. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, this is very important, you know, just to know history here. The Jews, they don't have this mga wake periods, no? They bury their dead on the same day. Remember? Cadavers were considered what? Unclean. Remember? If you touch them, you become unclean for a week. And so they get rid of it. And, you know, the Muslims are, are, are doing that they, they, they bury their dead. And so when Jews come to the Philippines and when they see us having our dead for seven weeks, for them, you, <laughs> no? so dirty. <laughs> you have to put your, your dead bodies there and then with flowers. For them, it's so weird. <laughs> they have to get rid of it. So that, that's, what's we, that's what we find here. They carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, the wife came in, not knowing what happened. So the wifey, all glamorous, imagine two million. <laughs> you know, probably bought her new Louis Vuitton. Kay nakakwarta biya. So nindot kayo. Oh, church, how, how? Hi, Mari. Beso beso, beso beso. Remember, fellowship. Diba? They have that. Oh, kiss dayon. And then comes Peter. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. My put honest, yeah. And she said, yes, for so much. Take note, for so much. She said, ah, so modening bago yung shoes, bagong bag. Then insulting Peter. How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? This is the third time it's mentioned. First, you have lied to the spirit. You have not lied to man, but to God. This is the third time. You have tested the spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Kinsa may di mamatay, anas kakulba. Ha? Ha? Asa naman akong bana? Wala, gilubong na. And don't worry, you will be following him. See? And take note, the Bible says, immediately she fell down at his feet. Whose feet? Peter. And breathed her last. When the young man came in, they found her dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. At least, nagkuyog yapon sila, di ba? Till death do us part. Di ba? At least, si God is nice rapod sa ilangan. Nagkuyog yun silang duha. And again, look at verse 11. Great fear came upon the whole church. This is the first time the word church is mentioned here. The word ecclesia. Iglesia. Ecclesia. Great fear came upon the whole church. And not only within the church, upon all who heard of these things. So God's intention is not just for the whole church to learn, but the whole community to learn that this group, this movement, is not human. This is divine. Because the God that they worship there is like the God in the Old Testament, the same God who, you know, who destroyed those who, what? Showed contempt to Him. Because God is righteous. That's the lesson here. 
Because the Holy Spirit is God, then He is holy. He is righteous. And we should tremble before Him. That's the danger within the church today, brethren. There is no more fear of God. You know, in the churches today, this is, this is what's wrong. They magnified and they, they, you know, they, they focus so much on what? On grace, on mercy of God. That, you know, God is gracious, God is merciful, God is compassionate. True. God is loving, He's caring, He's kind. But you have to understand, there is another side of God. He is righteous. He is holy. He is just. He does not tolerate sin. And the reason it's dangerous in a lot of churches now because they don't emphasize the holiness of God. Therefore, we have members in the church who come to church, who, who loves the Lord, who says they are Christian, but still live their lifestyle of wrong. And don't find, don't find any guilt. Even if their lifestyle is worldly, their love relationship is unbiblical, and they say, well, I love the Lord. Problem, what you're doing, God does not like. See? How can, how can God love you if the thing that you're living, if your lifestyle is something that God hates in the Bible? See? There are churches now that they are no longer teaching sin, you know, not mentioning hell, because that will what? That will somehow offend worshipers. Well, let me tell you, the church of God is really offensive. Whether we like it or not, it is offensive to those who love sin. But the church of God is loving and caring to those who love the Lord. Amen? That's why there is repentance. God wants you to change. And when you change, just like Barnabas, we don't know what Barnabas, who Barnabas was before, but now Barnabas is a changed man. He is a changed man. Remember that criminal? He was a criminal, but Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. See? That's what repentance does. It changes you. Amen? That's what the Holy Spirit does. So again, look at Acts 9.31. This is chapter 9, right? So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Take note, it, it, it was peaceful and was built up. You see, it's growing and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Notice this. It was multiplied. You see? What happened in Acts chapter 5, you might think it will, uh, surely it will stop people from coming. They will be afraid. No. It changed people's lives. The fear of the Lord changes us. See? I, I, I remember, I've said this before, but I want to share this again. I remember one of those, you know, transgender who worships with us here in Bradford Church. You know, you remember her? Or him? Okay, girl, magukaito siya, no? And musimbadrisha. And then, you know, we love, we, we love him, we care for him. But then, many years, you know, he moved to Manila. And then, suddenly, I saw him on Facebook, and he's, an, he's now a he now. Alright? And his name changed. Nimbalik na siya sa kuana. Will na siya. Before, Murag Samantha something. 
And, and I asked, what happened? You know what happened? Pastor, I had a series of nightmares. <laughs> you know? That I was in hell. See? The fear of God. Hell is the worst nightmare of, a, of an unbeliever. Hell is what? Is the manifestation of the wrath of God. So, people are afraid of hell. If you're afraid of hell, then love the Lord. Be willing to change. See? That's how the church grew. Now, why sanctified death? <laughs> why this immediate death of, of two believers? Alright? Four reasons. It was a saving judgment. Alright? It was a saving judgment. This discipline was a severe judgment, and yet, it was saving. You know why? Look at the principle of Paul. 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. There is what we call in the Bible, sin unto death. There are sins that Christians do that God in His own will, perfect will, you know, decides, you know what? Because you're doing this, it's not good for you, I'd rather get your life than for you, you know, to grow more in sin. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. See? That's the death of the body. So that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. You see? That's the explanation. Sometimes God allows Christians to die prematurely in his own decision. Because God wants to save the soul. Remember? For God, your soul is more important than your body. If God sees that you're destroying your body, okay, patyo na lang kanako. Because probably God sees that, you know what? When you continue in this lifestyle, you will suffer. I'd rather get you. It's not, it's not bad. Why? Because for a Christian, death is always victory. So there is what you call in the Bible, sin unto death. Alright? Now, if, if that happens to you, the purpose of that, it's for your own good. <laughs> See? Sin unto death. God may get your life prematurely because He wants to spare your soul. That's, that's the explanation of Paul. So it was a saving judgment. Number two, it saved the early church from the pollution of hypocrisy. It saved the church. You know why? Because of that disciplinary measure of God, what happened? A great fear came upon the whole church. Can you imagine this? So, katong mga nagduha-duha, hindi na lang kumuhatag. Hindi <laughs> pa man ko sure. <laughs> See? It was, it was a sign for them. A warning. If you do this, what happened to Ananias and Sapphira could happen to you. So, it saved them from, from farther hypocrisy. Number three, it brought salvation to the lost. You know why? The death of of Sapphira and Ananias, it brought more souls. Look at what happened in verse 14. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believe in the Lord and were added to their number. You see? Nevertheless. In other words, despite what happened. See? So their death, even though it was judgment for them, but God used their judgment to bring others. To bring others. According to Adrian Rogers, the worst thing that could happen to a church would be for the church to be so filled 
with hypocrisy and superficiality that unsaved people can see no difference between it and the world. See? That's the problem. That's the problem when, when the church becomes too worldly. Like, di na sila makikita difference ba? In the world, in the nightclubs, they say, lights. Nagsimba po doon, lights po. Parihan naman. When they watch mga, mga band, mga concert, grabe kayong sangam, what simba? Parihan naman yun ni. See? And so they don't find any difference. And so, well, if I drink there, it's okay, okay. The church is very much like the world. That's the problem. See? I am not against being modern. I'm not against being, you know, being what's, what's relevant. But there has to be a line. There has to be a limit to what we do. Okay? We, don't, we are not so desperate to bring them in using a worldly bait. <laughs> because in the early church, the bait is what? The gospel. <laughs> We don't bring them here because we want to see them. You see, you know, we, we, we are like you. We are like the world. No. We are not the world. See? We have to let them in to see that the real church of Jesus Christ, this is the church of Jesus Christ. We study His Word. We love Him. We sing praises to Him. See? Not so much with all the glamour and the glitz, the lights. The, the most important thing is the reality of Jesus. Amen? That's the most important thing. Number three, it brought salvation to the lost. It saved succeeding generations from hypocrisy. It saved succeeding generations from hypocrisy. What is this principle, brethren? Okay, listen. God will do certain things in the physical world as an example of what He will do in the spiritual world. Let, let me give you the point. Look at Jude 1.7. Here's the point. Jude 1.7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. Alright? Why do you think God burned Sodom and Gomorrah? Why? Notice the explanation of Jude. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. See? And a lot of us would forget Sodom and Gomorrah is real. And right now, the very sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, we are loving it, we are legalizing it, and we are living it as if it's normal. See? We have forgotten what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says, it serves as an example. And now, look at the world. Look at the world we're living we are not just loving it, we are making it legal to the point that, you know, I'm just so distraught about this. You cannot watch a movie now without putting in a naagyoy, bye-bye, laki-laki, a normal relationship. I don't know. I mean, they are really making it so normal so that our kids would watch and malibog na tong anak ba? You know, our kids grew up with a normal nga. A family has a mother and a father. And now, they're normalizing it. Now, I'm aware that by saying this, people might cancel me. But it's okay. It's important to tell the truth. Right? Because punishment in hell is worse than just being canceled here on earth. 
See? Our, our purpose, our purpose is not to offend people, but to bring them into the light of the truth because the truth will set them free. Amen? The truth will set them free. Right? Remember, the fear of God will help us be faithful to God. Now, in closing, in closing, let's go to the application. So what should we do now in light of this bizarre story of Ananias and Sapphira? Ask God to search your heart. We don't want subtle deception, right? We don't want superficial devotion. Ask God to search, Lord, check my heart. Am I a believer, Lord? Am I born again? Was there a point in my life that I surrendered, that I truly accepted you as my Lord and Savior? And once you do that, see, don't follow Ananias and Sapphira. Don't be, do not be superficial. Be real. Alright? Don't pretend. If, if, you are, if you are a baby Christian, then be a baby Christian. Alright? Wait for God to grow your faith. Right? Don't pretend. Be. Do not be pretentious. Be real. And you know what? God will bless you. God blesses people who are genuine in their hearts. Be honest to God. If you are confused now, then God understands. If you're struggling with sin, God understands. That's why you need Him. That's why I need Him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for this story. We hope and pray, O God, that none of us will end up like Ananias and Sapphira. Forgive us that we sometimes maybe we have lied to the Holy Spirit. We have shown contempt to Him by treating Him without respect, without reverence. May this lesson, O God, cultivate in us the fear of God. That's what we need today. Fear of God. Lord, You are powerful. You are mighty. And You have the right to punish us if You want. But what we receive from You, Lord, is grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. We are still alive today. It's because of Your grace. Thank You, Lord. Thank you for giving us so many chances. May we live our lives sincere for you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.